feel much like leaving. You don't want me to go, but all your tamaracks are needling your beauty in the snow. And I'll see you soon at Christmas, a happy holiday. Oh, how you gonna miss me? If I won't go away, I'm over time. I'm in demand. Hi there, I'm Jan Hall. Welcome to Folk Roots Radio Overtime, an opportunity to hear our full-length, in-depth artist interviews. You know, we love to talk to artists about their music, but there is always so much more to the conversation than we can typically fit into a radio episode. Well, now we release the full interview separately through our website and in podcast form wherever you get your podcasts. This time around, we'd like to share with you our full interview with Toronto-based singer-songwriter Roseanne Baker-Thornley. Chatting about her music, songwriting, and mentorship, we had a great conversation about that, and her wonderful album, Sorry I'm Late. I hope you enjoy it. Obligation I had to keep A conversation I couldn't leave A ton to do so I didn't sleep A lot of people I want to please Had a pile of clothes I had to wash Had to raise the kid and walk the dog Grab the groceries and drop them off Had so much to do that I forgot Sorry I'm late But there's a thousand things I had to do today And another thousand things that I would love to chase That I have to wait Sorry I'm late Had a stack of bills I had to pay But 25 years I know that saved me how to there where I kind of wanted Thought I had enough time But it took longer I got caught on another road And the clock didn't stop And I got older There were years there Where I lost a page Had a lot of plans I couldn't change Sorry I'm late But there's a thousand things I had to do today And another thousand things that I would love to chase That I have to wait Sorry I'm late Twenty-two turns twenty-nine Thirty-one turns thirty-five Forty-one and forty-three Run quickly into fifty And fifty-one meets fifty-three And right beside is fifty-five And fifty-six I can't believe When it's staring right at sixty Sorry I'm late But there's a thousand things I had to do today And another thousand things that I would love to chase That I have to wait Sorry I'm late Sorry I'm late Sorry I'm late 
That's Toronto singer-songwriter Roseanne Baker-Thornley with Sorry I'm Late, the title track from her second solo recording, an album that arrived 28 years after her very well-received debut album, Courage. Well, it's great to have her back. Sorry I'm Late is a fantastic album, and I'm really pleased to welcome Roseanne Baker-Thornley to Folk Roots Radio. It's great to have you join us today. Thank you, Jan. It's great to be here. Well, Thank this you. album is wonderful. Obviously, we're going to have to to get into the 20-year thing. That's a long time. But when you listen to Sorry I'm Late, I think you get a feel for someone who is very busy. So tell us a little bit about this album. It's so well-crafted. You know, I, I when I listen to it, I think of 70s Bedsitterland, you know, I mean, I would be listening in the dark probably with a few candles to this album because it's so clearly personal, but it just, it speaks to you. It speaks to everyone, I think. And, you know, it, actually I listened to it in the car a few days ago and I thought, oh my God, it's great in the car too, because you get really involved in the stories that are wrapped in the songs. So I think that's enough for me. Uh, I'm going to turn it over to you and you can tell us a little bit about this project and how things came together. Well, thank you. I am, you know, I'm very pleased when when people tell me that it's it relates very much to their lives as well. And I, I, it's really it really is a journal. Like this whole this this album really was written over a, a period of time, and it's different experiences that happened in my life. And 28 years ago, yes, that was my first album, Courage, when I just I got myself off the road after playing live on the road for a long time. I did the album. And then life changed for me because my daughter was then born shortly after. And I didn't expect that my my passion would switch so much, but it did It switched very much to wanting to be at home and being with my daughter and being with my family and not so much being on the road anymore. So I shelved that album, which I thought was going to be for just a little while. I actually, um, I was working with Sony and I called up and said, I just wanted to shelve it for a little while. <laughs> But you know the the story I'm late really is yes it's life and there's so there's so much to do in life and you get pulled in so many different directions you don't expect it's like this is the plan we're going we're going right there but there's all these things on the side that are kind of like the shiny ball you know it's well I'm going to try that and I'm going to try that so sorry I'm late is really not about it's not a sad to me it wasn't written from a sad perspective it was really written from a perspective of that that particular song was written from the perspective of cut me some slack because <laughs> I've been busy and there are all these things to do and I'm passionate about things and I often am late because I get caught up in a conversation or stuck behind a garbage truck whatever so that's really the the perspective that that song was written from and it came in a moment of going to be late for something and I didn't have this song. I didn't have Sorry I'm Late. I had most of the album there, but I didn't have Sorry I'm Late. And all of a sudden, I was I was going to be late for something. And I thought, oh, I should just put in my email footer. Sorry I'm late. So people know before I've even arrived that I'm, that, that I'm going to be late. And I thought, you know, that's not a bad name for the album. Because it made sense. It made sense because there was 28 years between. And that's when I sat down to write that song. Well, you know, I found it really connected and, and it, it's interesting because, as you say, we all have these different phases of life. You know, when we're raising family, when we're trying to get set in our careers, I've certainly had a lot of that in my life. Mm -hmm. And then 
you know, sometimes other bumps in the road come along. And and that's real life. I actually kind of like the fact that you've really come out and being so open about it and saying, well, yeah, a whole bunch of different things happen, but that's normal. That is it life. Is. And it and is. I, I love the way in the song that you even talk about different ages, you know, that how things yeah. change. And, and I say, you know, I get it. I mean, I look back at my life now and say, well, where did the last 30 years go? You know, I know well, it was busy and I had a lot of fun. But it's yeah. sometimes hard to imagine. And and I was talking to my partner just a few days ago, and I was thinking, you know, I'm getting to that point in life where sometimes I think, did that really happen? Did I really do that? Well, you did, because you, you still have the memories from it. But uh, life is an extraordinary thing. And I, again, I think that is why this album is is so easy to connect to and so relatable. And you also have that nice, warm, I mean, you know, I I guess I wonder whether you you wish that you could have been putting this album out in the seventies because I think it really would have connected. It's funny, eh? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm I'm a different person than I was. I mean, part of the reason of doing this album as well is that it was nice that my last album was there, Courage, and it's what I was writing back then, and I'm pleased with what I did, and I'm pleased with that album. But I wanted to be the reason for this album right now is I really wanted to be my current self because. When somebody was asking me about, so what do you do on your own? Because as you probably know, I do a fair amount of writing with other people. And that has really been where I was devoting all my time and energy for the past, however, many, many, many years in there. And I was always writing my own songs, but I wasn't doing anything with them. They were just sort of sitting there. And and then I was writing more and more and more for myself. And I thought, you know, I kind of like to be the current me. So when I play something for somebody, it's relevant to my life now. So we'll get into talking about your work with other people a little later, because it's a fascinating part of this conversation. But your own songwriting, I mean, do you find it easy to write songs? I mean, is it, I sense, you know, because you do write with other people, there's a real Mm -hmm. craft there. Uh, Mm -hmm. Does that mean that it might take a time from those first ideas you have about a perhaps a theme for a song or a melody that's coming together before it actually you know, finally arrives? You know, in my life, people will ask me if I write every day. Well, that's I always laugh when I'm so embedded in all the administrative part of the music world and I'm sitting there going, write every day. It's it. I write, a lot of times I will write at night. I have no problems writing my own songs, no, no problems. And I'm constantly writing lines down because they're all in the conversations. I'm definitely like a live wire. I'm always listening to what people say. I'll even have, I'll go, what did you just say? That was, that was interesting. So I will write down lines that are very conversational, which I call landing lines. And I know that in the song, that's where I want the concept of my song to land because that is the gem of the emotion. Emotion is very important to me. Sharing your heart and and speaking the truth in that is extremely important to me, whether I'm writing for myself or I'm writing with other people. And yeah, so landing lines. So I write down lines every day. Or when I write down the lines, I now will write down why I wrote down the line. Because sometimes I'll go back and I'd look at the line and go, why did I write that down? Now I know because I go, oh, I was looking at this person doing this and oh, yeah. So it takes me my brain is very much a, a world of video in there. And when I'm writing, I very much see my story in front of me. And, and as you know, I do a lot of photography as well. So it's very visual as well as it, it's just like mini movies to me. That's what songs are. They're really walking people through the moment of whatever it is 
you want them to experience with you. Wow, I can mm -hmm. see why you you must be a great mentor. But we're not getting to that part of the conversation <laughs> yet because I want to play another song. We're going to play In Paris, which is very okay. beautiful. And, you know, it's interesting you mentioned video because, well, I think the whole, the whole album is like this. And it's interesting you talk about how, you know, you think of your songs as videos because I listen to your album and I see everything. It's really it's extraordinary. Great. And, you know, when I'm listening to In Paris, I see the Pavement Cafe and things like that. It's quite beautiful. That's great. Well, I've even tagged my music now because it's I'm kind of in this unusual category. Am I folk? Am I am I what what is it exactly? My my sound. So I've figured that the best word to describe my music is almost cinematic. <laughs> and that's a good word because the, there's a few people I've talked to over the years who definitely fit that category. So in mm -hmm. Paris, I mean, this is all based on an experience of of being in that wonderful city. Well, when I was um, quite young, I lived in Paris for a few years and went to school in Paris. So to me, I have a great relationship with Paris. I, I love the ambiance of Paris. And when my daughter was just about to get married, um, she was living in London, England. And I went over and because we were looking for the dress, we were looking for her wedding dress. And we, as part of that search, ended up going to Paris for a weekend. So really, that's what that song is built around, is, is that there was something so special for me to be in a city I love so much with my daughter, who is moving on to another part of her life, and to be in a place in my life where I could take her to Paris for a weekend. Do you know what I mean? It was just, there was something very, very special in that. So that's what the song is, is built around. And, and it's funny, because I started to write it way back when, and I'd written down one page in the front first page of a journal. I'd written some notes down about the trip to Paris, and I thought, i got to write that someday. But I didn't, and I didn't, and I didn't. And then one day, I took some journals up to a cottage with me, and I thought, you know, I'm going to go through these journals, and I'm going to finish some of these songs. And I didn't get past that first page. That first page was took me right back with my notes about Paris, and I wrote the song. So that's what it's about. It's, again, my love for my daughter and the city of Paris. I got on a plane cause had to meet you in Paris. That was the plan. We climbed the stairs to Montmartre up to where the painters paint portraits in the square. And it wasn't the first time and it won't be the last And I could not help but think, just take this in Cause it all goes by so fast Chefs in white aprons, cafe tables of patrons Waiting to dine The night was amazing Sharing, talking and tasting Such a fine Bottle of wine And it wasn't the first time And it won't be the last And I could not help but think Just take this in Cause it all goes by so fast Nothing could prepare us For 
when I left you there in Paris And kissed you goodbye I remember you wanting Your own Parisian drawing A piece of the weekend To keep You picked the chair And I paid the artist Watching you smile would have broken my heart if It wasn't the first time and it won't be the last And I could not help but think just take this in Cause it all goes by so fast Nothing could prepare us For when I left you there in Paris Kissed you goodbye I just knew that this trip Was definitely different When I kissed you goodbye It wasn't the first time and it won't be the last And I could not help but think just take this in I could not help but think just take this in I told myself don't think just take this in Cause it all goes by so fast That's Roseanne Baker Thornley within Paris from her wonderful album, Sorry I'm Late. We're having a wonderful conversation. Roseanne Baker Thornley is my special guest on Folk Roots Radio today. And, you know, when I first received the album and, you know, and it says, well, 28 years after the first album, you said, wow, something must have happened. Now I've talked to this wonderful artist. I realized that there's lots going on here. And, you know, the different phases of life have all wrapped their way into this. Tell us actually, Roseanne, about the making of this album, because you do a lot of other things other than work on your own material. So just take us through how you actually worked on the the production side of things and the people involved with you. Okay, on the production side, now here's another, it's all a story, isn't it? I mean, if you think about it. I uh, do a fair amount of writing in the UK, and my daughter, um, her fiancé and her boyfriend, he's a guitar player. He's a guitar player, also a producer. So I had, and his name's Will Scholar, and we had sort of over the years that they were living together and dating, built a relationship with Will as far as working with other artists with producing their material, because I write and I produce. Then they moved over here during COVID, and during that time, uh, that's when I decided I was going to do my own album. I thought, you know what? I should probably do my own album. I had put out a song during COVID called Indiana Jones, more as a statement of everybody just stay home. And I kind of thought that was kind of cool. I was stepping back into my artist's shoes, which is kind of like, huh, I remember this. <laughs> right? So anyway, the album, I wanted to do the album. And I then said to Will, I am doing this album. I would love 
because I love your ears. I love the respect you have for the song and the artist. And it's not just what you do as a producer, it's who they are that you capture in the music. And I asked him to produce it. And I, I said, you know, this is not because you're family, because that really wouldn't be a good idea. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, we, put, we um, started working on the album. And so working on the album with me was, of course, Will. We recorded it at Kensington Sound. Uh, Vasey engineered some of the, uh, one of the songs on the album as well. Ben Pelshett, who also worked out of Kensington, he, um, he was in the final mix. So they were, Will and Ben were mixing it together. Mark Kelso played on the album. And Mark Kelso also played on my first album. And he even said to me one point, why 28 years between albums? And I thought about it and it was like a rush of ideas went through my head and I looked at him and I just said, life. That was it, it was that simple. So anyway, he played on the album and he, as I said, he was on my first album. We also toured before from my first album. And Kevin Fox, we invited Kevin Fox, who is phenomenal, to come in and play on a couple songs on yeah, the album. Beautiful, beautiful cello, yeah. Yeah. Um, North Easton is a co-writer I work with and he co-wrote a couple of the songs with me, one uh, Look Up and One More Line, uh, which we both sing on as well. It was mastered by Andy Krem at Silver Birch, who, funnily enough, I mean, I love that I have these relationships with people that have lasted basically a lifetime. So he was my first producer for my first album and my manager at one point in time. So him and designing my album cover was Michael Wycraft. Oh. And Michael loved the album. Whenever I would call Michael to talk to him about the project, he would swear at me because he was always sitting there and he said, it was probably one of the best singer-songwriter albums he'd heard in 20 years. And he used, he was cry, he'd cry through it all the time. And he would say, I'm crying again. So I was sad that he wasn't here for the, the formal release of the album. But he had already, you know, he'd already posted on Facebook about his, his love for the album way before. Like he said, I'm sorry, I apologize, I'm doing this early. And I just thought, well, that, uh, that's okay. You know, that's fine. And uh, he posted the cover, and which I love, which he captured a very, a, a very special moment of me in that album cover. So Michael Wycraft. But it was a very small team. It was a, a very small team of, of great people that I'm quite honored to have working with me on the, on the album. Well, you know, it, 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 it's very beautiful. And I, I do love the cover of it as well. And I'm so pleased to hear that you know, Michael Wycraft was able to be part of this project. He greatly missed, obviously, a fabulous mm -hmm. artist from the point of view of all the work and all of the careers that he was able to to support through his art. And, you know, the, the just wonderful skill that he could bring to the process of developing and the design of a lot of these albums. It, it's, it's a beautiful story. I have to say, I've suddenly thought, oh, this, you know, really, this is the sort of album everybody needs a copy of. So if you're listening to this interview, uh, you know, I know you can go and stream it. You know, you can listen to it on the radio. You're going to hear a few tracks as well. But this is really an album that I think uh, would be lovely to have and also to gift. I have to say, this is a perfect gift. Mm. If you're wondering about uh, a gift for somebody uh, who loves music, this, I think, would be a great choice. Now, uh, I realize I'm gushing a lot and I want to get back to the music. So let's play another track. 
I'd like to play Her Mother's Eyes. Uh, tell us a little bit about it. I have a pretty good idea where this one goes, but I'm going <laughs> to let you talk about it. Well, Her Mother's Eyes on the morning now. It sounds like it's like my daughter's album, but on the morning of the wedding, I was, of course, with, with my daughter and in the hotel room while she was getting ready. And, and with my photography, I was taking a lot of photos. I was told I couldn't take my camera to the wedding, though. She was like, Mom, you can't take your camera to the wedding. I'm like, okay, but I want to take some shots of getting ready and everybody in the room. And just, I love capturing just those moments. They're the same as songs. Photos are the same as mo those same moments. So anyway, I had all these photos now, and it was a wonderful day in London, England. And I was editing the photos one night, and I came across this photo of her sitting there, and there was something about the look in her face. And she was, they were putting a veil on the back, that's gonna make me teary-eyed even now. They were putting the veil on the back of her head, you know, in her hair, and the, the, she was standing there with the makeup artist, standing there with the brush, and there was something about the look in her face, and I can't even peg it now. But honest to God, I sat there for a good two hours, like this is crazy. I sat there for two hours in the moment of that photo going, I have got to write a song. This, this, I've got to write about what this is. Originally, I'd called it the dress. And I thought, well, that's, that's okay, but no. It was something about me and her. I knew I wanted it to land her mother's eyes. Like it was one thing to say, and today she is the bride, and she's six years old inside. Oh, that's a lovely thought. But as soon as I put her in her mother's eyes, it changed the whole perspective of that song. So that's what it's written about. It's about watching my daughter probably growing right up, growing up right in front of me and capturing that in, in her mother's eyes. You've given me goosebumps. Thank you. This is Roseanne Baker Thornley with her mother's eyes from the fabulous album, Sorry I'm Late. Enjoy. day her life is gonna change and it's quiet she is in her hotel room all the girls will be here soon but not arrived yet all the pieces of this dream all the months imagining and here she is A bit of old, a bit of blue A bit of borrowed, a bit of new Just like she's planned it She's years of braids and ponytails Pink lemonade and fairy tales And today she is a bride And she's six years old inside her mother's eyes Together on the bed A picture-perfect wedding dress Waits in the corner A mother-daughter side by side They don't speak so they don't cry The day moves forward Bit of lipstick, bit of blush A bit of champagne All because here she is 
Standing in her wedding day With her beautiful bouquet Just like she's planned it She's used the braids and ponytails Pink lemonade and fairy tales And today she is the bride And she's six years old inside her mother's eyes not back And she smiles cause she knows what they'll have The ears, the braids, the ponytails Pink lemonade and fairy tales and Today she is a bride And she's six years old inside her mother's eyes She's the pride and she's the light in her mother's eyes. That's Roseanne Baker Thornley with her mother's eyes from her wonderful album. Sorry, I'm late. Roseanne Baker Thornley is our special guest on Folk Roots Radio chatting about this wonderful album. You know, the, the story will always be 28 years after her debut, she releases this amazing album. I got to ask a question. Are we going to have to wait another 28 years before you make another one? No, that seems to be the question, too. That's like, really? I hope it's not another 28 years. I, I don't think it'll be. It won't be another 28 years. I have more music. Even when I was picking the songs for this album, I had other songs that resonate just as much with me. But I thought 11 songs on an album was, was fine. That was, that was enough of a journey for people to, to get through in the album. As I said, I'm always writing I love, love writing. It's a very important part. It's, it's the part of me. And I um, will be doing more music for sure. So let's talk about live performance. You mentioned that, you know, you were touring a lot when the Courage album came out, your debut. Um, mm -hmm. Are you still performing live now much? I mean... No, and you know why? I mean, I've performed thousands of shows, I think, at this point with, uh, with a full band with the full band, with the crew. I actually married my road manager. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's, it's on my list. It is. I do want to do a performance. There's one in the plans right now, but with a full band, because I want to do it the way I want to do it. That's part of the reason I did this album right now. When people would say, why are you doing an album right now? You're, you know, where you are in your life and why now? And I know this sounds odd, but the, but the answer truly is because now I don't care. I'm not pulled in many directions by what I think I need to do. And, oh, my God, I should do this and I should do that. It's really about, it's all about a want to do. So I, I wanted to do this album. I'm 100% good with where I sit in this moment of this album. And with playing live, I want to do a show, but I want to do it the way I want to do it. I would love to do, you know, Go out and play by myself with my guitar in the right circumstance. Yes, I would love to do that. But I am not sitting here going, I can hardly wait to get back on the road again. That's just not where I, I am in my life right now, probably because I've done so much of it. But also, 
I want to do it a certain way. I have in mind what I want to do, and that, that's what's in the works right now. No, I, I love that. I mean, you know, the, unfortunately, with the, the way the music business has gone, I mean, a lot of artists think the only way they'll make any money is to get out on the road. But I'm, you know, I'm hearing lots of stories about people saying, well, actually, that's not true either. Because no, by the time you actually truly look at the cost, it doesn't matter what they're paying you every night. And no. that may have gone down anyway. But by the well, you add in all your other costs, hotels have become more expensive, travel costs are way up. Uh, you often end up not, you know, not making much at all. It's a completely different climate now. Like when I was out playing on the road, I actually was making, I wasn't making a great living, but I was able to just do that. And that's what I did. I played basically six nights a week touring. Now it's not the same climate anymore. And it's very expensive. It's very expensive to put a show on when you look at everything that goes into it with your players, with your gear, with your venue, with there's many, many, there's many moving parts to it these days. And it's not as simple, I think, as some people think is just going out and playing. It's, it's not that simple. Yeah. Do you, I think I already know the answer to this question, but I want to ask <laughs> it anyway, but do you regret at all the fact that, you know, you did end up sort of stepping away for such a long time? I mean, that's, you know, it, we've talked enough about the fact that people say, wow, 28 years, that's a long time. But do you ever think, oh, you know, if I just waited a few years until things got settled, my daughter was doing great, then I could, you know, do more then? D does, does that ever happen? I, I sense no, but I want to give you a chance to say that. You know, it's it's funny because when I look back, I laugh <laughs> at some of the decisions I made that I turned down back then. Some of the offers to go to LA to work with certain people and opportunities that were put in front of me, but for some reason I didn't pick up on them. And I, cause I obviously didn't want to do them. And no, I don't, I don't regret it. I, I love for the most part where my life has gone and it's definitely been a journey, and I don't think I want to. I don't know. I don't no. regret it. That's good. I don't because regret it. I love it because life is a journey, and we all have these things that we say, I wish I'd done that a little better, or mm, maybe not the right choice. But, you know, yeah. we all do those things. That, mm -hmm. You know, the, the secret of a happy life is to move on and and do, do different things, you know. Don't, well, and, and don't live with also, regrets. Yeah. And also to be open. I think that's, you know, it's like you get on this path of going, that's the plan. It's right there. Like, I think a lot of people coming out of, for instance, out of this last COVID would go, well, that was the plan. But man, so many things change and it doesn't even have to change around you. It's what's changing within mm -hmm. you. And I think every once in a while you have to monitor. It's like, well, that's where we were going. Yeah, but does it really make sense now? Like, is there not? A, so I think it's being open to. Sure, you can have a, you got to have a plan. Like artists have to have a plan. But it's also good to be open to what else is around you to be able to weigh it and go, well, maybe over there a little bit. Maybe that's, and that's how it happens. That's, you know, you end up over here instead of right there in front of you, right? I'm so pleased you said that because it's exactly right. You got to be open. And, you know, after COVID, I, you know, I vowed to like, if it doesn't bring me joy, I'm probably not going to be doing it anymore. You know, things have changed. Yeah, yeah. Things have changed a big time. Let's talk yeah. about mentorship and, okay. and the other program that you've been working on that first song. Cause I, I'm really 
excited about this. I love to hear that people are doing what you're doing. And, you know, I mean, I know this is not an interview, but at this point, I would say, well, it is an interview, but it's not an interview for a job. But yeah. I would say at this point, say, oh, yeah, you know, I can see the value of a young songwriter getting to talk to someone like you because you really have the right skills to really be able to help people to to grow and develop. But that's me thinking what I've looked at on your websites. Let's talk about mentorship first, and then we'll talk about that first song. Okay. Well, mentorship, I mean, it's all part of me writing with people is where that comes about. And whether that's working with emerging artists or established artists, sometimes with an established artist, they're just looking for a different perspective on a song. You know, it's, I love that, you know, one artist in particular had said that where he stopped, I began. I thought that was a nice comment. And I also think it's interesting. It's also because I've lived so much life at this point. Because I remember writing with somebody one morning and they said, wow, you completely understand where I'm coming from. And I went, yeah, I do. I do. I really get that. So with mentorship for me, because I, I truly understand um, what it's like to be an artist in the business. I do. And with playing on the road, I'm able to give some perspective to probably younger artists in that case to say, be yourself, be yourself. Let's, let's work on this from your perspective and who are you? And let's, let's talk about that. And let's write about that. It's a lot of conversations for me and listening and helping people, I guess, just helping people see themselves. I guess that's a lot of what it is in my mentoring. And then because of all my time in the industry, I am able to reach out to certain people and say, I think you should listen to this person or can you, can you help out here? Or could, so anyway, that's, that's probably the mentoring part of it. And I'm, I'm business brained. I know I'm a little bit of an anomaly sometimes in the business because as creative as I am, I'm also extremely business brained. I like to get stuff done and I like, I, I need a, a, there has to be a plan there has to be a path that we're following so that would be probably the mentoring part of it as far as their themselves as artists and then with the writing it it comes into the writing too where I, I don't try to write songs for people I like to write songs with people and people will say what kind of music do you write and I say well it all depends on who's sitting in front of me I write heavy metal. I write singer-songwriter. I write jazz. I write country. Because who's in front of me? That's what I'm listening to, and that's what I'm feeling. And it's not always, you know, they'll come up with something, and it's not necessarily the way I do it, but I go, huh, that's not the way I do it, but that's the way they seem to want to do it. So let's work with that. So I love that there's a real diversity in that for me. And I'm a, I'm a songwriter where I'm, I'm all good with being in the, in the shadow. I, I'm okay with going, you go do this. You're amazing. I love that. I'm truly invested in the people I work with. And I, I know that how I, mean, I deal, I work with some very, very talented individuals and I love that. I'm very proud of that. And I'm very honored to be able to have that space with them. You know, when I was checking out your websites, you can, if you want to check out Rosanne's music, you can go to rbt, rbtsong.com. Uh, there's also another website that's called thatfirstsong.com. And, you know, I, I, I really love, I mean, this is a slight aside, but in this social media age, how you're really working to keep the websites really crisp and organized 
and it's very clear what you do. I imagine for a young artist working with someone like you and the fact that you are, you mentioned how you're a bit of an anomaly in the business, that you are business brained, <laughs> but that must really help them because I think there's a lot of people that have wonderful talent and, you know, very creative, but never quite get to that point of getting, you know, things finished and then out, you know, with all the pieces in place. Well, it's because, and I, I totally understand this. If I could, I would write all day long. I, I want to create that. And that's what artists want to do. And that's what they really do best. They create. So they don't want to live in the, okay, so I've got to post and I've got to do this. And I've got all these responsibilities outside of creating. They just want to create. It's, it's now a world of many hats. I just actually wrote something about this last night that it's not that it's many hats. It's almost every hat <laughs> with an artist these days. And it's a lot of dues in a day for sure that you have to get through. And then that's why I laugh when people say, so do you write every day? Oh my goodness. I would love to do nothing but write all day and maybe take photos, wander the streets, take photos of people. But that, that's a, it's a nice, it's a nice want, but it's not always the way it is. You know, it's funny you say that because sometimes I'll interview people and they'll say, oh, well, you know, let's talk about this new album. But all they want to talk about is what I'm working on now. And it's like, oh. well, you know, if we aren't, you know, I'm amazed the number of times that actually happens that they've already moved on. And, you know, we're, you know, we're barely six, nine months after the album's released. And it's like, no, you know, I know you want to be creative, but, you know, for the sake of your career, we need to make sure that this album gets worked. Well, and you know what? It's it's an interesting. This is a long. This could be a long conversation uh, about this, but it's an interesting climate right now. The climate is really about content. It's about good enough. It's about just getting content out, 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 out. Even the fact that everybody releases singles so quickly. I mean, that's great, I guess, but no one keeps their foot in it long enough for people to actually hear it. I think so. I, but what happens is the industry sets up this climate of you have to write songs that are only going to be out for four weeks that we're going to push and then we're on to the next. Well, you can imagine what that does in an artist's brain. They go, well, that's fine. That, that's, that's good enough for four weeks. I don't live in the good enough world. Anybody who works with me will know that <laughs> and would say that. They, they know that when we're writing something that we will come back to it again. And it, it's not a quick it, sometimes it is. Sometimes it's, it can go really quickly. And that's amazing when that happens and all good. But sometimes it takes time. And I think people need to have a bit more patience with things overall. Give the song time to actually find people and write it so you're happy with it. Because once it's out, you can't change it. I was laughing at the board one day when we were mixing strong. And I thought, I'm sitting there going, how many times have I listened to this song now? It's a good thing. I spent the time writing it the way I wanted it to be. Because then it's too late. It's, it's there. I can't believe it. I'm the one that feels this. I told myself I should let go a hundred times or more. And so I'm sorry. Can't let you go Wish I didn't need this And everything beneath it Sometimes it gets so hard It's pulling me apart And I can't stand it But I can't let you go 
let you go How do you leave behind what you want? How do you dial it down and turn it off? How do you say goodbye and move along? How is anyone that strong? Maybe if I try, it hurts less inside If I stop needing to explain The feelings I can't change and I don't like it But I can't let you go How do you leave behind what you want? How do you dial it down and turn it off? How do you say goodbye and move along? How is anyone that strong? If the truth can set you free Then I confess that this is killing me All the pieces from the past And all the days I can't get back can't have How do I get over that? How do you leave behind what you want? How do you dial it down and turn it off? How do you say goodbye and move along? Is anyone that strong? 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 Tell me how Is anyone that strong? That's Roseanne Baker Thornley with Strong from her wonderful album Sorry I'm Late. Roseanne Baker-Thornley is our special guest on Folk Roots Radio today, having a chat about an absolutely fabulous album. I do want to spend a few moments talking about that first song, because I really like looking at their website, and I just wanted to give you a chance just to talk about how this fits in with the other things that you're doing, because I sense this may be slightly different. Um, well, it's slightly different because the focus is definitely not on me. The focus is definitely on the artists. Um, you'll you'll notice in that first song, too, that it's not just young artists. I mean, we worked with June Garber at one point. You know, we were working with Carlos Morgan. and But also, you know, young artists as well. You know, we're working with um, Shannon Dukes, who's about to put out a new album. And Rachel Bond, who's about to put out a new album. So... 
there's a, a there's a real there's a real scope of type of artist in there. Now that first song, it's not just about me co-writing with artists. It's about I I, I have a, a handful of awesome co-writers I work with to write songs with other people. It's you know it's it's a real skill I think to sit in a room as an artist. Like I, I, in this case, I would call myself an artist as well to sit in the room and give the entire stage to that person that's actually going to do that song. It's like I matter in that room, but I matter only from the perspective of helping them be the best that they can be. And that's really I mean, I have an <laughs> my analogy these days for that first song is about creating songs for people. You can be an amazing singer. All good. I've actually said that being an amazing singer is a bit of a writing handicap, though, because you can sing it so well that you can write anything and sing anything. Wouldn't it be great to sing great and have a great song? And they kind of look at me like, what? And I say, yeah, because you can take anything. You could sing the phone book. You could sing anything and people go, wow. Now, I say, wouldn't it be great to have that voice, but to have that song that people connect with and is so good. It's undeniably, undeniably great. Everything about what you're doing up there. So a few things. One thing is what I'd like to say I write is one light songs. And that means that I, for instance, work with Jordan John, who is incredible. And the thought of him sitting on stage with one light at the piano, playing this song we've written together and for people to go, Oh my goodness, he's letting us into this space. We're right there with them in this moment. That's what I want to do for people I work with. It has to be that. Because I've also gone out to see people sometimes, or bands for the most part, and people say, so what do you think? And I say, I think it needs more lights. In my case, it's not about the lights, it's about the moment. With songs, it's about giving people the right shoes for the race. The song is the right shoes. It's you still have to train. You still have to show up. You you know, their the stars have to align, all those things. But you're going to run a race a lot better in the right running shoes than construction boots. So really, it's about enabling them with the music to bring out the best of them to put them on that journey. And whether that's someone who's 15, 17, wherever they are in their life, and whatever it means at this point in time, it's still great to have that song that means something to you that you're proud of. So that's production as well. That's writing it, producing it, through the mentoring of it, of, you know, what can we do? What's the plan? Who do we talk to? What's my social media look like? You know, it's, it's all that. It's all that with that first song. And that's a great team, again, that I have in there, too. Wow. That was that was wonderful. I'm, I feel blessed to be here and hear you talk about that because I can imagine when people are struggling with, you know, feeling blocked or, you mm -hmm. know, knowing that they have something to say and they want to share as well, uh, having someone like you to work with would be a, a wonderful thing. So I really wanted to, to thank you for sharing that. Remember, if you want to learn more about Rosanne's music, go to rbtsong.com and check out that first song as well at thatfirstsong.com. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you today. We have time for one more song, and I thought we would play Give Me One More Night. Uh, tell us a little bit about this one. Give Me One More Night. I am the Toronto curator for an initiative, a songwriting initiative out of New York City called uh, the Acoustic Guitar Project. 
And it's a project that happens every year. And it, every there's cities around the world, 50 cities, I believe, right now that have curators that have a guitar. They have an acoustic guitar there. And it's their, their job, I guess, to find five songwriters every year to participate. They have a week to write the song. No production. It's all about the song. And then they move on to the next writer. And I've had some great people in there. I've had, you know, Robert Priest, Julian Taylor, originally the first year. So the first year I was, I was able to write a song as a curator. You could pick your year. I picked the first year. And when I knew I was going to have the guitar, I thought I'm going to write a happy song. That's what I'm going to do. I am going to write something that is uplifting. And then the week before my scheduled write, a good friend of mine went out to play hockey one night and he collapsed on the ice with a massive heart attack. So he never came home. So now I'm sitting in the studio and I'm playing these chords going all right there. So that's, there's no happy song for me right now. I'm so caught up in the moment of his wife being at home and him not coming home. So that song is totally written around that. And it's actually, we're just about to film a video for that song. We're, we're doing it as a sort of a short film and it's, very focused on what that's like. And, and when I have played that song live, because I do play once in a while, I've said to people that if you care about people, tell them now. Don't wait. Celebrate somebody right now because life can change in a split second. A split second, everything changes. And that is the notion behind Give Me One More Night, which Kevin Fox played cello on and phenomenal beautiful song and a wonderful way to finish and I, I really want to thank you for a great interview this is Roseanne Baker Thornley with Give Me One More Night from her truly fabulous album Sorry I'm Late you're listening to Folk Roots Radio and I'm Jan Hall and thanks again Just assume that all the years would come and go and you'd be near All the nights you held me close We laugh about who loved who the most I never thought they'd disappear I can hear your heartbeat, I can feel your breath I can feel your warmth inside my chest I can feel your fingers softly touch my chin I can feel your lips against my skin You know that it's the hardest part To reach to touch you in the dark And realize that you're not here I close my eyes and try to sleep But it keeps coming back to me. I always thought I'd be where you are. I can hear your heartbeat. I can feel your breath. I can feel your warmth inside my chest. I can feel your fingers softly touch my chin. I can feel your lips against my skin. 
that's it. Thanks for joining us on Folk Roots Radio Overtime. We're looking forward to bringing you more great in-depth artist conversations. And you can check out this interview again and many others on our website at folkrootsradio.com. We'll see you next time.